let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we just bow our hearts right now. We come with all of who we are, just coming, seeking your face this morning, that we desire to live under your word as those who are following Christ, who are living for Christ, who are in Christ, and we long to be more like Christ. And so help us, Father, this morning, that you would do your work in us by your spirit. And so help us, Lord, even as Dennis prayed a moment ago, there are indeed many troubles in our day. And as each one has come over these last few years with COVID and war in Ukraine and all variety of conflicts and tensions throughout our nation, and we, we just come and we lift our eyes up to you this morning. We recognize that you are our help, a very present help in trouble. And so we come to you with all of our troubles and all of our cares, perhaps all of our fears, and we walk by faith. We believe your word and we trust in your word. And we pray that you would do a work that we cannot do. We recognize that every time in history when a great work of God has happened, it has not been because of us, but has been because entirely because of you. And so we come by faith looking to you, the living God, that you would do a work in our hearts here at Haven Baptist Church this morning. And so help us, Lord. May Christ be our joy. May we not be deceived by lesser joys, by sinful pleasures, but rather may we look to the one who is the true source of infinite, everlasting joy. And so help us, Lord, we pray that Christ would be our portion today, even as we wait for the day that is surely coming where all of our lives will be open and will be plain and be set before you. Every idle word, everything we did in private or in public, you know them all. And so we look forward to that day, though, not because of anything in us, but because of Jesus Christ. And we look forward to being with Christ forever, rejoicing in him and glorying in him where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. We long for that day and we recognize that this is not our home. And so may we live in light of the hope that is true hope and true joy. And you are faithful, God. You will bring about every single promise of your word. You do not fail, and your word does not fail. And so we come before you, the faithful God, this morning. We pray that you would unite us in Christ as a body, and may you transform us to be more like Christ here and in every aspect of our lives. And so we pray that as we turn your word this morning, that you would help us as we look to an exhortation that is not often heard or even probably even thought of, 
May you help us to receive it. May you help us to consider it, and may you help us to do it. And so we pray that you would be seen, that Christ would be seen today through your word. And so help us, we pray, and we look to you, and we pray all this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to the letter to the Galatians. We'll be continuing in this letter, in this study, with Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. So Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Now, there are certain things in our lives that we really don't need much time to think about. We really don't even need to think twice about even. You know, it's just simply out of love, we just act it's intuitive it's you know natural we just respond and we act so for example let's say you know one of your children you know and you're outside and playing outside with your children or perhaps you're there talking to a friend or working on your car or doing something else landscaping and and so your child is outside and playing ball in the yard and then the ball goes as so often can happen, it goes in the street. And so it, it's really only a second, you know, at least it seems like it. But there, of course, there goes your child <laughs> running after the ball into the street. Now, as all this is happening, at the same time, you look over and you see a car coming. Not showing any signs of slowing down and it is heading directly in the path of where the ball is going. And you know that in a short short few moments, your child will soon catch up with that ball, and it will be disaster. Now, what are the options for you here? Are they, one, ignore it, or even dismiss it entirely, you know? Oh, I'll... I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I'll just keep talking to my friend, you know. I'll keep working on my car. It'll work out. (laughs) Or two, you just keep watching and you don't say anything whatsoever. You just stand there and watch. Or three, do everything you can to save your child, whether it means crying out to them, waving down the car, grabbing your child, throwing them out of the way, even standing in front of your child to save them, to do it. So which one would you choose? (laughs) I don't think, even without a doubt, I don't think it really even takes long to even decide on which option you're going to choose, right? I mean, without a doubt, it's the third one. You're going to do everything you can to save your child. Why? Because you love them, right? And you would lay down your life for them in a second. You would throw yourself in front of the car because you will lay down your life to save their life. And you won't even think twice about it. Well, in our passage this morning, 
we hear a similar call in view of the law of Christ that we are to bear one another's burdens and so lay down our lives for one another. So let's see this then in Galatians chapter 16 or 6. There's not 16 chapters in Galatians. Chapter 6, verse 1. So may God bless the reading of his word. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work, and then... His reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now here, as we press on and are very quickly coming to the end of the letter to the Galatians, and although we are now in this sixth chapter to the Galatians, we are still coming within the same stream that we've been drawing from all along throughout this letter. So Paul, at this point, he's not just kind of throwing off everything he has said before, but instead he's applying it to the Galatians. He is now calling them to live according to that one and only gospel. There is No other. Do not forsake it. Do not abandon it. Do not give it up. He's saying live according to that one true only gospel. And he's saying he's calling them to live in the freedom that we have in Christ. He's calling them, even as we have saw these last few weeks, to live by the Spirit, even as we began in the Spirit. And so we come in view of these verses. They come in view of his words, even from last week in chapter 5, verse 25, when he said, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so now he's giving applications and he's giving implications towards that end. What walking in the Spirit then should look like. We've seen the fruit of the Spirit. And now he's saying, all right, Here are we applying this. And so more specifically, he's asking what should we do as those living by the Spirit, as those keeping in step with the Spirit, when or if a brother or sister in the Lord sins. So what should we do in a case like that? Well, he answers that here in the first part of his answer is that by the Spirit we are to aim to restore. Aim to restore. Now here we need to admit something that is very clear and you know full well, at least you ought to know full well, at times believers can get, get, get caught in sin. Believers can get caught in sin. 
And so the word here for caught, it has the idea behind it of being you know, trapped or, or captured or kind of taken in or seized by something. So it may be that you know, a believer gets caught in kind of this sort of web of sin. Now, this doesn't mean that they you know, tripped and kind of fell into this sin accidentally as though they bear no responsibility for what they have done. They are responsible for every decision they make, and they are responsible for the sin that they are walking in. However, as you know, know, sin, it has its webs, and if we're not careful, it's easy to be just caught in those webs. And, you know, this can be different for different people. You know, for you, it may be, you know, lust, or it could be anger, or it could be all variety of things. You know, as a new believer, I remember, you know, being caught off guard by this. I was just glorying in this wonderful salvation I now had in Christ, and I have in Christ, and I was living, and and the Lord was just graciously helping me along the way in ways I had never known because I was dead. I was not alive. And then God had graciously given me life. And so now here I am trying to understand Christianity, trying to understand life and what it means to walk and live in Christ by the Spirit of God. Well, I used to work at an electronics store and usually I was fine. But I remember on a number of occasions, it just seemed like out of nowhere. And I know now it didn't come out of nowhere. But at the time, it seemed like out of nowhere, just this anger just arose within me. As I was dealing with customers or people or whatever else. And I had no idea where this had come from. Well, sin, it has a way of doing that to catching us off guard, to, to kind of coming and drawing us in in such a way that we're caught off guard and even drawn into this web of sin. And sometimes we get into it, we're responsible for it, but we get into it and we don't know quite how to get out of it. I'm like, I have this anger in me, and so how do I get it out of me? I don't want it in me, but it's there, so why is it there? Well, James, he gives us a glimpse as to why and kind of the process of how this happens in us and in our lives. And so in James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15, he says this. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. I mean, that right there is a bit sobering. (laughs) When you sin, ultimately, it's because you want to. It's because your own desire. Now, I think we certainly say that Satan has a role in deceiving, misleading, lying. But at the end of the day, each person is tempted 
when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then, James continues, desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so we see that this can happen among believers, and this is how it happens among believers. We're tempted, we give in to our desire, and we sin, and that desire and that walking in that sin can become a web and we can become caught in it. And so what are we to do in such a case if a believer is caught in sin? And let's not put this in the abstract either. Let's say it's someone sitting next to you right now. They get caught in sin. What are we to do as believers? Well, first, love compels action. Love compels action. Now here is where we need to return to where we began this morning with that opening example. What did love do when your child was in danger? Now we went through all the options, right? But there was really only one option for us, wasn't there? I mean, there was no need to think about which one to choose. And it's the same with a brother or sister who is caught in sin. I think we, we can make it all messy and we can be afraid and give excuses and all these things. But in the end, what we're being called to is love is compelling us to action exactly in the same way then as we see our child in the street getting ready to be hit by a car and we're not sitting like, oh, we go, oh, I'm going after my child to save them. Love compels action. And so the options then are not to ignore it, which we often do, nor to keep watching and not to say or do anything. You see them walking in their sin. I'm not doing anything about it. (laughs) But those are not the options for us. Why? Because love compels action. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. It can be terribly difficult. But love compels us. And this also doesn't mean, though, that we go around at the same time and you're hearing all this, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I mean, (laughs) we might have some people running around, you know, as witch hunters, kind of, you know, looking for people's sin and, and trying to, you know, go after each one. This isn't telling us to go around and, and correcting everybody all the time, you know. You know, every misstep, here comes, you know, the, the, the mafia, the sin mafia. Boom. Hey, you sinned, you know. I mean, that's, that's not the way we would understand this either. Like, out of nowhere, someone, hey, you, you misstepped, you know. That's not the way we would understand this. We need to give room, most certainly, for the Spirit of God to do his work in believers. And there's a, we need to have a category, yes, indeed, for forbearance. I mean, if we were going around correcting each other all the time for every single time we sin or we misstep, I mean, 
wow, we would be doing this all day, wouldn't we? It would be terrible. Well, that's, that's not what we're, we're being called to do here. When you see a believer running into the road and staying there, they are making a practice of sinning. Love compels action. And this includes you. This includes you. And so it says, you who are spiritual. So that certainly includes me (laughs) as a pastor. But this is not primarily referring to pastors. It's saying any believer who is spiritual, as in what we've just seen in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. In other words, those who are filled with the Spirit of God. And who are those? Every believer, yes. Every single one of us. And this is why by the Spirit, we, you, and all of us are to go and to aim to restore. And so the word you here, you don't necessarily see it entirely in English, but it is in the plural. And so it's, what it's saying there is, Paul, he's saying, hey, you, like Galatian believers, I'm calling all of you. I didn't say pastors. I said all of you. Go after the brother or sister who is caught in sin. So it's not just me. It does include me. But it's not just me. It's every believer. It's you. Now, as I say all this, even as I prayed a moment ago, this may be news to you. (laughs) You may have never heard this before. And this is why I preach one of the reasons, among many, why I preach expositionally. I mean, you're not going to very often find this passage being one that has gone to continually. Or even often at all. I mean, we may not know that this is something that you're required and called by God to do. We'll see here that you are and that we are. This is something that all of us are called to, and we do it not because, you know, I feel adequate to do it, or because you feel adequate to do it, or because, you know, you're ultimately this kind of godly, higher-tier Christian above everyone else. That's not, that's not why we do it. That's not what this is saying when we do it. But we do it because we love one another. You do it for the same reason you run after your child in the street. And so we are told here then, even as I'm sure you're likely wondering, that is just overwhelming for me to think that I, will, I am called and even commanded to do that, but how then do I do that practically? We're told here how to do it. And so your aim is to restore... And as your aim is to restore, you approach the sin of others first with tenderness. With tenderness. And the words here are important. So it says restore and in a spirit of gentleness. So restore 
that has this connotation of kind of putting back together or something that's been torn and kind of repairing it or even a bone that has been broken and kind of mending that bone. And so just, again, thinking through this practically, what would you think if you went to the doctor and you broke in your arm, you know, and you go into the doctor and he examines it and he's tending to it and as he does... He's kind of going like this, yanking it and pulling it, you know, and twisting it. I mean, what would you do? Yeah! Get away from me, you know? What are you doing? You're a madman, you know? I mean, like, yes, I mean, that's, that's obvious, right? Well, I think now a wise nurse or even a common sense person standing nearby will come along and just say to that doctor, oh no, no, that's not, that's not the way you need to handle a broken bone. That's not the way you're to deal with those. You need to be tender. You need to be gentle. You need to treat that with great care. Well, that's how we are to be in approaching the sin of others. If we go in you know, pulling and yanking and jerking. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> you think that's going to go well? No, we are called to go in a spirit of gentleness. It doesn't say don't go. It says go in a spirit of gentleness. So tender, gentle, careful. And then second, approach the sin of others mindful of your own weaknesses and sin. And this is why Paul, he warns here, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. You're not, you're not going to someone because you're above them, but you go as one who is a sinner along with them. You are not better than them. We all come through Christ by faith. Recognize what? That we are wretches. <laughs> we are blind. But He's the one who helped us see, not us. That wasn't our hand that did that. So you come as someone who can be tempted as well. And you recognize that. And outside of the grace of God, so go I. There's a dangerous way that we can think of ourselves, an air of self-righteousness that, you know, oh, I would never commit adultery. Oh, no, no, I would never murder anyone. I would never do what that person did. I'm not like that. I'm not dirty, unclean, all those things. Well, friends, given the right circumstances, outside of the grace of God, so go we. We just read James 1. This is why Paul is warning you, be careful here as you go. And so you come with fear and trembling, 
And you don't go before man as a man pleaser or woman pleaser. You go before God. That's why we don't throw this passage out of the Bible, right? If I was trying to please man, we would never, ever, ever do this, right? I mean, it's just not fun. <laughs> we don't have like a, a, a fellowship, a big, you know, get together and we celebrate and have a party where we all do this to each other. No. This is exactly the opposite. It is not easy. And so we must keep our eyes on God and pleasing Him. This is how the body of Christ obeys this passage. is because our eyes are on God and on Christ. Because we love God and we love others. You don't come pointing out in others things you just simply don't like. That's an important point. <laughs> this is not about your opinion. Well, I don't like the way that uh, Sally chews food. I mean, this is not what this is addressing. <laughs> the way they smack, you know, as they eat and kind of make those noises as they eat the food. Well, I'm, I'm going to go and confront them, you know. <laughs> well, this is not about opinions. You're not going because you just don't like something. You're not going because it's not according to tradition. You're going because the scriptures say it is sin. That is why you go. And that is the basis for which you go. And you go mindful of what we said before. Mindful of who you would come, who you would want to come and tend to you. Would you want that rough doctor (laughs) when you sin? If that day comes and you're the one that one brother or sister here has to come to in obeying this passage, and they say, brother or sister, and they jerk you around. Is that the one that you want? Or do you want the gentle one? And well, in the same way, recognize that's what you're called to do. You go in that spirit of gentleness. In the same way, you would want someone to come in a spirit of gentleness as well. And third, approach the sin of others with careful preparation. Now, don't don't just rush in here. I mean, there are times when it may be absolutely necessary that you go immediately. But most of the time, it's not. And so part of this careful preparation and trying to think through how we're going to do this, is you need to first get the log out of your own eye. Get the log out of your own eye. And this is a vital step. You know, as Jesus, he said in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, I mean, how ridiculous would it be if you go to your brother or sister to take a little speck out of their eye and you have this big piece of wood in yours and you're just like, man, you've got a speck right there. And, you know, I mean, it doesn't, it's ridiculous. I mean, we are called to deal with our own hearts first. We're called to come and view in Matthew 7 and ensure that we're coming with a right heart. And we're not coming bitter towards this person we're not coming with anger in our hearts to this person we're not coming just wanting to have revenge on this person they may very well be sinning but we may be coming in the wrong way 
And so the first thing we need to do is get the log out of our own eye. And that will require you some work, going before the Lord, humbling yourself, asking him, Lord, show me any area of my heart or any sin that I might have or any wrong attitude I might have towards this person. And so prepare in that way first and then prepare by faith. That is to resolve to trust God's word and obey it. He is calling you to do this, not me, not the world. God is calling you to this. Your Lord and your master, Jesus Christ, is calling you to these things. And so you go by faith in Christ. You come mindful of the one who sought after you in your sin. When you were lost, you were going down the road to death. And he came and rescued you in that same way you go by faith in Christ and the one who sought after you. And so by faith, and then be ready. Be ready. It's wise to prepare, asking even, you know, what you will say and what you will not say There are some things that you could say that could make it 25,000 times worse. And so we want to make sure that we're saying, here's what I'm going to say, and here is what I'm not going to say. I mean, what's the main issue that needs to be addressed? What's the main sin that we're meeting about? And how will you help address it? It can be good to write out your answer to each one of those questions. I mean, that kind of preparation. I mean, what will you say and what will you not say? What's the main issue that needs to be addressed and how will you help address it? And so as you come, you're aiming to be a good, gentle, caring, carefully for the good of others. And this will be a guard for you keeping watch on yourself, this careful kind of preparation, lest you be tempted also. It's a protective from saying or doing things that you've already thought that you need not say or do. And then after all this, after getting the log out of your own eye, coming by faith, being ready, be faithful. You go and you obey the Lord, and you do it. You realize you are not responsible for people's responses, but you are responsible for yours. You cannot control how people will respond. You may come in all these ways, gentle, you're prepared, and everything else. And they may not receive it well. But you are being faithful to the Lord. And that's what you're called to do. So in many ways, verse 1 is the application of verses 2 through 5. So verse 1, it is kind of a picture for us seeing what bearing the burdens of others looks like. And so it is bearing the burdens of others, which leads us then to the second point that we see here. By the Spirit, 
care for others. By the Spirit, care for others. And so here we need to fight against all variety of consumeristic impulses. You are not merely a spectator in the body of Christ, if you know what I'm saying. You don't just come here, consume, and you've got what you've got, like you're in a drive through and you kind of go home and you have your meal. That's not what the body of Christ is. We need not learn Christianity or church that way. The gathering of the believers is not a spectator sport. You aren't gathering together in the Lord's day and covenanting together with a local church through membership to do nothing and to serve no one. You come to bear the burdens. You come to serve. You come to worship. You come to witness. You come to teach. You come to preach. You come to scrub the toilets. (laughs) There's nothing too low for us to do as believers in Christ. We see in these verses that this body, as in the body of Christ, was made for burden-bearing. This body was made for burden-bearing. And so we're told here, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what law is that? Through love, serve one another. It's, it's the call to love, as we heard Francie read a moment ago from 1 Corinthians 13. It is the call to love like Christ. He is our model of burden bearing. I mean, how many burdens did Christ bear of yours? And we could even say, how many burdens is He bearing of yours right now? I mean, on Christ's back are murderers, are prostitutes, are thieves, are liars, are drunkards, are addicts, are adulterers, are idol worshippers, are you and are me. On his back are every one of your sins, past, present, and future. And on him the wrath of God was poured out. Is that a burden? (laughs) He was beaten, and he bore the cross, and he died, and he rose again. That all your sins would be forgiven. There is our model of what burden-bearing looks like. And so we, at Haven Baptist Church, we are to be a place where people can come here and we will be there for them if they fall. We will be there for them in their need. Because not one of us came to Christ okay. (laughs) And really, none of us still are okay. Christ is our hope. If you are anything, it is by His grace. 
So there's no boasting in anything in me or anything in you. And so this means that we are to have a humble disposition. A humble disposition. So verse 3 is calling us to remember from where we came. We are being called to take a bite out of humble pie. (laughs) And I just urge you to have some humble pie in your pantry always, even in your back pocket. Just keep it with you (laughs) everywhere you go. I mean, none of us are above this burden-bearing, nor any of us are above that title, saved sinner by the grace of God. I mean, there are no elites here in the body of Christ. Every one of us comes on the basis of Christ, and every one of us lives and is sanctified by the Spirit of God in Christ. So we're not to take it upon ourselves then to be kind of little Sanhedrins going around, you know? We sit in judgment on others. I mean, we're looking for faults in others. Fault-finding, grumbling, whispering. Can you believe that person? Can you believe she said that? Can you believe he said that? You go and tell everybody. That's not what Christ is calling us to do. When we do that, we're forgetting where we came from. (laughs) We're forgetting what Christ did for sinners which is what we are. So keep that humble pie in your back pocket and bite regularly from it that by Christ alone, he saved you a sinner. In verse 4, it's calling us to press on without comparing ourselves to others. It isn't Is Pastor Andrew bearing the burden of others? The question is, are you bearing the burden of others? Then you can boast. You are bearing others' burdens for Christ's sake. So I take this confusing part you're like, wait, I'm not supposed to boast to myself. <laughs> Why is he saying that? <laughs> he even says later in 6.14, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is he talking about here? Why? Well, I, I think what he's talking about here is this is in the future tense in the Greek. And so it's, it's talking about that day when you stand before the Lord, that your boasting won't ultimately be in what you did then your boasting, as we've seen and what we'll see, will be a boasting in what God has done through you to his glory. It is a boasting in the cross and seeing, wow, God, look what you did in my life. All glory be to you. That's how Paul can go on later in verse 14 to say what he said there. It's because we will be glorying in the cross. And we will all give an account. For each will have to bear his own load. 
And so the question for you and for I, for us, is are you, will you bear the burden of others? How are you walking in the manner of Christ? It won't be on that day, you know, what, what did they do? You know, what did Pastor Andrew do? Or what did John MacArthur do? Or John Piper do? Or you name your favorite person. But what did you do? What did you do? It won't be a y'all man. You know, that person served here and they did an amazing job. It's what and how are you serving now in the body of Christ? How are you bearing one another's burdens in the body of Christ? And so may we, each of us, have a burden-bearing heart. A burden-bearing heart. We are to be compassionate, gracious, tender, there for one another. Now, it may be that you're here and you have become that rough doctor. You have been that person who has gone to others and just yanked and pulled. Well, know it well this morning. That does not define you. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal, the prize, the upper call of God in Christ Jesus God can change you this morning. So bring that rough doctor to the Lord and let him go. That does not mean that we don't speak the truth, but we do speak the truth in love. So take on the heart of the good doctor, the good shepherd. The lamb who was slain. Him who took on your burdens and your sins upon himself. Him who has been so gentle with you. And may each of us be on the ready. What does that mean? Well, be on the ready to be there. You know, pray for one another. You know, pray for the fellow members here at Haven. You know, check on one another. Call one another. Write each other a card. If you see something in another believer that's admirable, praiseworthy, good, you know, bless them for that. You know? Go to the brother or sister caught in any transgression. You know, serve. Bear the burdens of one another. You know, I, you've been here on Wednesday nights. I know I mention this a lot, not to be redundant, but I think there are a lot of lessons from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> May we be like Sam with Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. Now, if you've read that story, as they were there at the end of their journey and they're completing their task, they're getting ready to destroy this evil ring that has brought, you know, generations of evil. He sees his friend Frodo there just undone, unable to finish, destroy the ring. 
that he had alone to carry. And Sam, he says with tears and resolve, come, Mr. Frodo, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. That is what we are to be in the body of Christ. We're to be burden bearers. I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. You will struggle with sin. Do struggle with sin. We need each other. And so as those in Christ, believers in the Lord of glory, let's follow our Lord and bear one another's burdens. Who do you need to be there for today? Is there someone that needs a brother or sister to come beside them? To be there to hold up their arms? How might these verses not be merely on our lips, but in our hearts and in our lives. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you now and we thank you for bearing all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our guilt that you became a servant you took on flesh and you were obedient even to death even death on a cross and so we come in view of you our Lord and we don't come to these verses that are mightily practical we do not come to them because this is easy, we come because you are the one we are serving and we this morning desire to serve you. And so may you help us, Lord, as we consider these verses, consider these things, that there is a brother or sister around us that is caught in sin. May we not just sit by and ignore it. May we go and seek to restore them in the spirit of gentleness. May you help us, Lord, that we would bear one another's burdens. May we be known here at Haven for loving one another, serving one another, praying for one another, being there for one another. When someone falls, we're there to help them. May you help us, Lord, if there, there's anyone here who does not know the burden bearer, Jesus Christ, the one who came for sinners. May you help them see this morning that their only hope is Christ. May they see that Jesus came and lived a sinless, perfect life and died on the cross for their sins. And may they believe and put their faith in Christ and be saved. And so help us, Lord, as we consider these verses and respond this morning. May you help us, Lord. May you help us respond to your word, we pray. May we be known for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.